So What's I up, ha- homeboy? Not much. So I had to uh, go and get my car smog checked for the first time. I don't even know what that means. So in the state of California, in order to register your vehicle, you have to uh, get it checked for emissions to make sure that oh. the emissions of your car are sufficiently small, more or less. Um, mm. For most new, like, basically any car that's been made in the past 20 years is almost certainly going to pass. Uh, it gets a little sketchy near the 2000s, like the very early 2000s. Yeah. And you have to pay more to get it done for cars older than 20 years. Um, but... My car is a 2015, so it's not really a big deal. Like, it wasn't a big deal, but it's just, like, Mm -hmm. an extra thing that I have to do that I knew I had to do because I've really, really been putting off getting my car registered. Yeah. Um, Partially because I didn't have everything required to get it registered. Oh. Namely, when I got the car, I never got proof of registration from the state of Minnesota. Well... That's not good. Like, it's registered. I have my tabs. I've renewed my tabs uh, last year. But when they send you the tabs, all they do is send you tabs on a little sheet, on a little thing. They don't have, there's nothing else in the envelope. There's no, like, registration card or anything. And so I never got one. And so I had to wait until there was some time. It was this past fall when I went home for something. And I made my dad go to the DMV with me because I also didn't know if he needed to be there because he's also on the title. Like, I didn't know what they would need, so, like, we both went, and I had to hunt down this very obscure form um, to uh, renew my registration. And luckily, it ended Mm -hmm. up being 11 bucks, and they gave me literally just a piece of printer paper that said, this is your registration card. Yep. Um, So, yeah, so now I have that. I've had it since, like, October or something, and (laughs) since then, I've just sort of been putting it off. Uh, well, way to be proactive, Mark. Well, I have to be proactive now because my tabs expire in April. <laughs> uh, so I'm kind of... Forced proactivity. Yeah, it's, they forced my hand. Um, yeah, I just didn't want to deal with it. And there's also this whole other thing with like licenses in California. In a lot of states, it's a requirement that when you move, you have to update your license. I'm raising my hand right now. Why? As in, that's, that's a thing you had to do? Okay. Yeah, that was my state. Yeah. They have that rule. Yeah, I know Minnesota has that rule, but California, to the best of my knowledge, does not. All it the says heck? online is that you have to, like, update your address with the DMV, and you can just go online and just fill out a change of address form, basically, mm-hmm. and say, this is now my address. But mm. I, I scoured the internet. And nowhere did it ever say that you do or do not have to change your address on your actual license. Like, you don't need to go in and, like, pay for a new license. Wow. Um, it, it's just all very confusing and weird. And so I hope that, like, I haven't changed my license. And I hope that that doesn't oh. cause trouble in my registration. I don't think that it will. Uh-huh. Because... Uh, well, the, my my reasoning behind it not causing trouble is that when I first moved here, 
I went in and I got my California license. And, but I, the day that I went in, I happened to not have sufficient proof of residence. They did not like the piece of mail that I brought. Mm. Uh, they just said, nope, that doesn't count. I said, well, that stinks. And they said, but what you can do is, like, if your car isn't registered in California, you can just go out and get your stuff and then get it registered right now and then we can use your registration as proof of residence which seemed weird but because they were so fine with that happening even though i had like a minnesota license and stuff it must be the case that they they don't put like it's not there's not many strict requirements on getting it registered that's my hope hmm yeah i i don't know that is very interesting to me because I know in Illinois here, the I don't know about. I guess I registered my car before I changed my license, and like there were no no questions about that at all. It was just like, oh, you want to register your car here? Sure. And do they? And do you just give them an address that you want to send the license plates to? Uh, they hand them. They handed them to me at the place. Oh, they just had them. Hmm. So they just like had them on site, and they like assigned them to me. Is that normal? I don't know if that's normal. I can't. Like I I have no background knowledge on that me neither um all but the, yeah because so when the, you buy a new car they like send them in the mail obviously yeah yeah so i assume that that's what they did when you registered huh that would make me feel a lot better although so, that would that would uh ruin my plans i want to get a not a vanity <laughs> plate because i don't want to do a customization thing but california has like 10 different plates that are all like the, similar to like all the minnesota like uh dnr mm-hmm. plates yeah. But for um, California, they're not, like, that specific. They are, like, a bunch of different organizations that have them. Mm-hmm. But one of them, I forget exactly what the organization is, but it gets you a cool humpback whale tail on your license plate. Oh, cool. So I kind of want that. But if it means that I'll have to go through a whole rigmarole with addresses and stuff, I probably don't want to do that. Who At least knows? not this year. I could always do it next year or something. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, that that makes me feel even better. I feel like that does make sense that they would just have license plates just like around because there's no reason not to. Yeah, and they just like scanned a barcode or something on the package and they're like, okay, this is yours now. And then they, I think they had like the tabs there too and everything and they just gave it all to me and then I paid for it. Mm. Um, but That would make me feel much better. The thing that sketched me out here in Illinois um, is that... Based on my very, uh, speci- or very very solid reading of what the internet says the rules are, mm-hmm. is that when you move to Illinois, if you haven't gotten an Illinois license or yeah an Illinois driver's license within ninety days, your old license automatically expires technically, ninety days after moving. Yeah, they always do that sort of stuff. It, and it's one of those things like. Like, how can, like, how do they know that you moved? Like, yeah. what does that mean? But, like, I mean, that technically, me that's the same thing like, with oh. registration. Like, if they determine that, if they get mad at me for, like, because I've had this car for obviously a while now here, they could probably find me a lot if they really cared. So, I guess that's the other thing that we'll just sort mm-hmm. of find out. Like, I'm not sure. I doubt it makes a difference. Like, I'm, I'm well past the, like, three week threshold that I couldn't have met no matter how hard I tried. Yeah. So, well, if you really hate Mark and want to ruin his life, 
tweet this podcast episode at the California Department of Transportation. That's right. <laughs> so yeah, that's my fun adult things that I need to get done at some point. Yay, DMV and car stuff. Yeah. whoop de doodly doo Yeah. It's always good to be adulting every once in a while. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Sounds like you don't totally agree with that, but that's fine. No, we'll not really. with it. Yeah. I don't but know. No, I get some sense of satisfaction from adulting from time to time. Th- feeling, I just get a satisfaction from like feeling like I got my shit together, you know? Yeah, like, I I don't disagree with that. Like, it does feel nice to have everything together. And for the most part, I do. It's more just, like, the administrative government stuff. Like, it's impossible to tell if it's going to go well. Mm -hmm. Like, you just don't know if it's going to go smoothly or, like, you can look through everything, but there's always random stuff that pops up and you just never know if you will be the unlucky person to have to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Or if everything will just go smoothly, like... As it's all laid out, like, I don't want to get my hopes up with registering my car. Like, for all I know, I could just have totally screwed something up and I'll end up owing a whole bunch of money or they just won't let me do it because I'm missing something. Like, I I think I have everything in order now. Like, I did the smog check. They sent the smog check directly to the DMV, so, all, so it's, like, connected with my VIN number for my car. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have the carbon copy of it, though, so I have all that. Like, I printed out duplicates of my insurance cards, so I have all that. I have my registration. Like, I have everything that I need, I think. <laughs> but who knows? Maybe I'm missing something. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then I just need to figure out a time to go to the DMV and actually get it done. Yeah. Which is a whole other thing. Uh... Do you know what happens if you like fail this smog checked check or whatever? They don't give you the certificate and you're technically not allowed to re-register your car, I assume. So are there like things you can do to you like can you make like modify well, like like the biggest yeah, I mean, from what I can tell based on looking at the little sheet of paper, if it's like a newer car, if it doesn't fail it's because something is broken and whoever's testing it should be able to identify what is probably broken, and then you can go get it fixed. Okay. If it's an older car, then that's just, like, sucks, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I don't really know but, all the laws. Like, there are exceptions, because okay. there's also, obviously, like, vintage cars. I was going to Like, say. that's a thing out here, and you can get certain exceptions, but I'm sure it's, like, there are some limitations on that, and who knows. Uh-huh. Um... Yeah, I, I don't actually know the answers, but definitely if it like if my car hadn't passed, it would have been because something was broken, mm-hmm. and then I'd have to find someone to fix it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. On a very different topic. Hmm. Um. So we're recording this episode this evening on Super Tuesday. Uh, and yeah. I don't really want to talk about politics, but because I know that we both have Minnesota area codes on our cell phones right now, I've had something hap- been happening to me. And I'm wondering if you have too. Oh, I ha- I'm getting. I I'll almost certainly know what you're. What's happening to you? It hasn't happened to me at all, but it's been happening to Aaron for months. Has she been getting like text messages? Yep. From campaigns asking her to come and out and vote on Super Tuesday. Uh, yeah, among other things. I'm sure lots of them have also been asking about donations or who knows what. 
but yeah, when I was I was with her this weekend, and I think she said like wh- whether it was ten in a day or ten in a week, it doesn't really matter. It's more than you ever want. Yeah, yeah, I've received none. So part of that part of that is because like I'm not registered with the political party. I never have I'm been not either. So I don't um, get it. yeah, I don't know. Like I I, I don't I know, know how remember. stuff gets out. Yeah. Uh, like if you accidentally put something on a clipboard once years ago and it's followed you ever since, who knows? Maybe. Uh, and, data gets out in weird ways. <laughs> yeah. And I haven't had that many. I've had like a small handful over the past kind of week and a half, but it's sure. enough like, wait, how did this happen? Like, <laughs> also like, who are you people texting me? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah, like, good for them for being politically active in that way, but Mm -hmm. I feel like the hit rate on those things just isn't that useful. Yeah, and it's also all been for one candidate, so it's been just kind of like a, okay, I see see you spending money to, like, get people to text people Mm -hmm. things, like, if it was, like, spread across everyone, it's like, oh, this is just a thing that happens, that sucks, I wish this didn't happen. But yeah, luckily I haven't come across it, and and I assume also they probably just come from a different number every single time, mm-hmm. so blocking wouldn't help. Yep. Um. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Just a thing that happens. I feel like there should be some sort of on Android. There probably is on iPhone. There probably isn't because I think blocking stuff on I mm-hmm. I I know I know that blocking stuff on iOS is hard. Like there's not as much available for blocking numbers or anything. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there should be an option. There might be an option that exists of basically just like block incoming somethings from numbers I don't know. So that that's uh, automatically block all calls, or maybe it, you could block texts from mm-hmm. any unknown number, or you might want to be more specific and be like any unknown number that's 10 digits long because you want to open it up for those like five digit two factor authentication texts. Mm-hmm. I feel like this should be a thing. <laughs> Maybe it is. I don't know. Hmm. Or just but. like it kind of gets filed away silently like it won't alert you. But it's mm-hmm. like that way it's like oh you can still find it but it's yeah, not going like to bug an, you. Kind of like an email filter or something. Yeah, exactly. Because you'd still want to offer possibilities of like, oh, you just met someone and they're going to, like you give them their number, then they text you so that you have their number sort of a situation. Yeah, yeah. Like I like, give my number out to a cutie at the clubs, you know. Exactly. And then you she like texts me open. her name. Yeah, you yeah. want to leave that open. Um, But you still want to, every two to four years, uh, not have to deal with these political texts. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That'd be a wonderful system for someone to create. Yes, it would be. Oh, well. <laughs> you know what? We're not there yet in the history of the human race. We'll get like, there maybe someday. I feel like I need to like dive into my settings just real fast. I feel like this should be a thing. Okay. I'll, I bet you there I'll, isn't. But I'll just give you a sec to dive in. I bet there isn't, but I can still hope. Settings. Blocked numbers. Block calls from unidentified callers. That helps, but it doesn't fix things. You won't receive calls or texts from block numbers. Okay, I feel, yeah, so we're missing that granularity. Mm-hmm. Of, 
Although I guess, oh, it does say calls and text, so that does help, but you can't do anything finer grained than that. Mm-hmm. Mm. Interesting. Maybe it'll advance to email filter level soon. Maybe. I doubt it, but maybe. Because I know of, like, a coworker who has set up, like, a specific email filter that filters out, like, common emails we get that are annoying that are meaningless to our job. Oh, yeah? Um, And he, like, he mentioned it in front of, like, our bosses and stuff one day, and immediately they were all like, oh, my God, next day we're in at work. Like, you're coming to my office and helping me set one of those up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I have. I have two email filters set up right now. One is um, one that I set up as an intern. And another is more just for convenience. Like there are, we get lots of emails. Um, Any time an instructor teaching a class uh, in person has comments, they can send us comments through a little comment portal. And uh, the structure of that email is always the same. Mm-hmm. And so I filter for that little structure and then I then it automatically labels it with the correct label. Yeah. Which is just like a little thing. Like it really doesn't matter that much, but it's just kind of nice. Automatically mm-hmm. labels it for me. And then there are the few teachers that just refuse to use that comment portal and just like <laughs> send us emails directly, which is like fine. It's still like they still get in touch with us. Um but it breaks my filter. Aww. It's okay. I thought you were about to say it breaks my heart, and I was like, oh, Mark. No, it breaks my filter. Okay. It does not break my heart. It would break my heart if they, if it, all the teachers that never send in any comments break my heart. Because, I mean, we have, break Mark's heart. we have so many teachers, and in reality, we only hear, I would guess that we hear comments from less than 10% of them. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be my guess. So, we're doing it. We got The Adventures of Business Cat today by Tom Fonder. Um, yeah, we do. So the the comic opens up with who I assume is Business Cat standing in front of uh, a few people dressed somewhat business casual. And Business Cat is saying, all right, rookies, listen up. You've all made it this far because you're the best of the best. But under this roof, I require, I require you to be better than the best. Today, each of you will be tested on your ability to perform a series of tasks essential to our operations. Your performance in these matters will determine the state of your future at this company. Your training begins now. Then the next panel of the comic cuts to Business Cat laying on the ground with a uh, small notebook and a pencil. One of the people from the room is standing above him holding a a pole with a small toy fish attached to it. Business, cla- business cat looks like he's thinking deeply and he simply responds, outstanding. <laughs> so the dude is standing, but he seems to be in the room. So how is he outstanding? Shut up, Grant. I have no space for your dumb puns. Okay, that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) So, Mark, how's how's the state of your future at your company? This comic makes me laugh. 
Why does it make you laugh? Because it does. I, I just love this comic in general. Oh, okay. It's such a fun premise, and it's just so well done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I, I'm good at my company. Okay. It was actually, this is not what I wanted to talk about, but it was an interesting day. Mm. Uh, because we had a brief, we had an impromptu meeting, the curriculum team, with the CEO, uh, who was informing us of two things. Thing number one is that the powers that be decided that a big project that we've been working on for like a year is going to kind of be entirely repurposed for something else. Which is not bad, there'll still be stuff to do, but it's like a big change in focus and we need to sort out what that looks like. Like what we need Mm -hmm. to change, what we don't need to change, and all this sort of stuff. And secondly, because we now have all these in-person learning centers across the country, we have to figure out how to handle anything that arises with coronavirus stuff. Ah, it's finally hitting you guys. Well, not it's not specifically in San Diego, but we have, for example, one up yeah. in Seattle, which is where mm-hmm. a few people have already died. And mm-hmm. because of that, attendance has dropped significantly for the last couple days, and so they're probably just going to close it for a week and see what happens. Uh, but if we close them or any other campuses for longer, then we need to figure out ways to keep the students engaged. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not helpful for the students to just be, like, out completely of not doing their class and stuff and homework with us for, like, two weeks. It makes them forget about us. Some parents might just decide to drop. Like, you don't really know what's going to happen. And so we need to develop stuff that we can send out to them to just keep them Mm -hmm. engaged. Like, it doesn't even need to be, like, super math heavy or super specific. It can be targeted at a broad audience, but just something to keep them engaged uh, if classes don't happen for a little bit mm-hmm. so yeah that was that um but anyway what i wanted to talk to you about okay. is training mm-hmm. it's not it's it's very tangential to this comic but it made me think of it of like you know testing your performance and all this sort of stuff and we're both now in big fancy companies well, mine not so big, but, you know, comp- actual companies. Mine not so fancy. Actual companies with an actual hierarchical structure to them. Mm-hmm. Um, with lots of things that we each have to do. <laughs> and uh, I'm just sort of curious, like, on two things. Like, w- one thing is just, like, how you felt about how you were oh. prepared for your job going into it. Mm-hmm. And how you are now, like the ways in which you are currently tested or evaluated, like like your perspective on it, like how you think you are being evaluated or how effectively you think you are. Like, are people paying attention to what you do? Do you know that? Are you, mm-hmm. Do you receive feedback? Like, I, I, I'm curious how all that works for you mm. and what your thoughts are on it. Okay. So you can start with whichever one resonates with you more. Yeah. I'm just going to think for like a couple seconds to kind of gather my thoughts here. Mm-hmm. Um, you also need to like put your company on blast. I know you don't like doing that, but <laughs> yeah, no, I... speak as freely or as not freely as you feel comfortable. Oh, Mark, you know me all. 
I'll I'll edit myself to make sure I'm comfortable with what I'm saying. I know. Um, I think first I'll talk about kind of like my preparedness for, I guess, joining the workforce at my company mm-hmm. um, when I first started and kind of how my education, how well my education prepared me for that. And I think like my first like gut reaction when I hear that is like, oh, like there was a lot I had to learn and everything when I first started, but that's just like how getting a job works. Like, I don't think it's realistic for your education to prepare you to be able to start a job in your field without training. Like, yeah. And so like, obviously all of the tests, a lot of the like basic science behind what I'm doing, um, and everything were all things that like I was completely unprepared for in the sense that like I didn't know them until they were taught to me. But in terms of kind of the general like skills I needed to be successful in my current job, I think that my education prepared me extremely well. Hmm. And I think most of those skills like obviously being in a science-based job, like having a decent science background has been super valuable to me and being able to attack problems from a scientific perspective has been very useful. And I think I was prepared well in that sense, but I think the skills that have been most valuable for me and are why I would say that my education prepared me very well for my current job are more of the non-technical and I feel bad saying these words, but like the non-technical, like liberal arts skills that I gained throughout college and my like liberal arts education, I think they oh, prepared man. me extremely well for the position that I'm currently working in and to kind of navigate a sort of industrial scientific job. See, I so, feel like I feel like what we need to do now is I'm gonna cut out those two and a half minutes and like sell them back to the college that you went to <laughs> as promotional material because that was that was amazing. I was like, it could have been written by a guidance counselor at your college or something. <laughs> I've <laughs> I love. I, mean, that you I, say I know that it's all. I know it's all true, but like it just it sounded like that so much. <laughs> I know it sounded like some canned lame response and that's why I took a couple seconds to think about it first because I was like am I really going to say this because it's it's personally how I feel and how my experience has gone but whether it's everyone's experience I don't know. Oh, I know. Um but like I it's funny that you point that out because like since graduating college there's been a few times where I've been back in at the school that I graduated from and a couple times that I've met with professors that I had and kind of spoke with them. And one of my very close professors uh, is now in kind of a more administrative role related to kind of um, college promotion and things like that. Mm -hmm. And one time when I was there and I was speaking with him, I was kind of talking about like how well my liberal arts education prepared me for the workforce and kind of the industry that I work in. Mm-hmm. And all the skills that I gained from it. And he kind of like, after I finished talking, he just kind of sat there and like was looking like, like he was thinking really hard for a couple of seconds. He's like, well, okay. Like, thanks for sharing that. 
I'm just gonna warn you, like, don't be like alarmed if you get an email from someone in the next couple of weeks asking you to make a couple of statements that might be related to like promotional material for the yeah. college. And I was like, ah, okay. And did you? Uh, I think yeah, I got I got one, but it was like very brief and not super specific to what what we had been talking about in that instance. So I don't know mm. if it was like related at all. Gotcha. But he kind of made a comment like, yeah, I, I tend to sit in meetings a lot where, like, I'm trying to convince people about all of the things that you just articulated. And I feel like you did a much better job and or would be, like, much more convincing than, like, me just sitting there saying, like, no, I promise these things are important. <laughs> yeah, the power of lived experience, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I think in general, getting back to kind of what we were talking about, I feel like I was prepared well for my job in terms of like the the soft skills or whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. Um, but like obviously I didn't have any of the like actual in situ type skills. Um, sure. But then getting to the second part of your question was about like how I feel like I'm being assessed, correct? Yeah, so getting more at what this comic actually is about, like, you know, you're you're now doing stuff there. You've been there for a while. Um, mm-hmm. Like, how do you know yourself, whether you're doing well and how you're being perceived as doing? I think that, thankfully, I have a manager who I think does a really good job of kind of giving me feedback, just kind of like, the like little day-to-day like casual feedback just like the little moments of like hey thanks for that report it looks good i sent it out type deals nothing like nothing formal or major but he does a really good job of kind of the the little bits of casual feedback or like hey like i see you've been doing this testing you should try this i think it would be more effective or something like that um and so I think most of my, like, major feedback is in that, like, very casual, like, almost conversational style. I don't get a ton of formal feedback. Um, I guess annually we have, like, a review and everything and stuff like that. But, um, again, I've been at the company for less than two years. So I've only had one review and that was, like less than a year into me starting there so that review Sorry, don't they do reviews at a really weird time yeah our our reviews are going on plus or minus a month from right now when we're recording oh I think. okay that makes um, okay that makes sense son and so like i don't really know exactly when they happen and like it's it's just not something that's like super on my mind at all um because last time when it happened it wasn't anything groundbreaking or like it didn't really change anything about the way that I did my job. I kind of kept doing the same things. And mm-hmm. I think like, yeah, I think most of my feedback is like kind of informal, but personally for me, I think that works really well. Okay. Cause I'm not like worried about like, Oh my God, how's my like review this month going to go or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like something that is hanging over my head that I have to worry about. It's just something that, like, when there's an issue, I know it will be brought up, or at least I trust that it'll be brought up to me before it becomes an actual problem. 
Um, And so I personally appreciate that kind of style. And it's not like a, it's not like a, I don't know that it's a company wide thing. I think it's just kind of like how my manager does his stuff. Mm, Sure. Um, But I would say like, I get feedback when I need to have feedback, but if I'm like doing well for a long period of time, like I don't get much feedback to be honest. Yeah. Um, like I'll get a bit of like positive feedback from time to time if I'm doing well consistently, but like there's not, I don't know. How do you feel about kind of your position and the feedback and preparedness for you? Hmm. I, I guess I'd say it's a mix of things like, the we also have a sort of annual review ours happened in december so i've had two now and they're t- they're typically pretty short and mm-hmm. i just kind of get a quick i guess a summary of what other people said about me because because the review is always with some one of the you know top few people and they sort of just have a little document that was compiled by hr i think because mm-hmm. uh, our, our process is like Everybody gets a Google form and we can fill it like for each person that we want to say anything about, we can just fill it out for each person and say like, oh, this person has done these things that are good or bad or whatever and whatever. Um, So that's that process. So I feel that anything that um, I do or or I. I guess the way that my coworkers perceive me is probably tied up into that fu- well enough. Mm-hmm. And the, for the past year, honestly, the biggest thing that's been just positive feedback is uh, like the addition of responsibility that I've received. Like I've just been put in, like in the past year, I've been put in charge of or very actively involved with several different projects way beyond what I was originally doing when I got hired and uh, and having people have that sort of faith in my ability to get stuff done and do good work um helps like that's that's the biggest indicator of like all right I'm still doing well you know similar to you it's not like people are coming up and being very specifically positive towards me or anything it's just like things aren't breaking people keep giving me stuff to do I do it well, and the cycle continues. Mm-hmm. And I and I agree that I also have, you know, for the most part, anything that I happen to do wrong or could be improved by just a little bit of tweaking here or there, that gets addressed pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And then you just kind of go on and keep that in your head. So, yeah. well, I'm glad we're both in such healthy working environments. <laughs> <laughs> Careful, Grant. <laughs> I said nothing, and you'll edit out the sound I made. <laughs> no, I certainly won't. <laughs> Grant has brought Overboard by Chip Dunham. Um, we have uh, a small little mouse. Uh, sta- sit- uh, wearing swim trunks standing on the edge of some sort of kiddie pool and the uh, mouse rat whatever it is cries out help oh, mouse rat uh, rat mouse and <laughs> and a large 
lizard or something, perhaps just a monster, <laughs> uh, jumps into the kiddie pool with a big sploosh and uh, a human person wearing a very strange hat or something um, peeks around the uh, uh, side of the kiddie pool to a group of uh, Matt right or <laughs> Matt. <laughs> <laughs> rat, I was gonna say rat mice, uh, and the and the person says, "What happened, guys?" And one of the uh, mice says, "Tim here was drowning, and Gork splashed him right out of the pool." And the person says, "Oh, Gork was lunging for a mouse snack, and this rescue was a total coincidence." And Gork says, "Oh, come on, let me have a heroic moment." How many heroic moments does a sea monster get? I guess now we know a little bit more about Gork. Uh, I'm going to say, in general, that was a pretty solid job. This was a very challenging comic. I don't think I did that well, but I'll take it. I I was going to say, I think you boofed up a couple of times, but I was going to start with uh, a compliment before I gave criticism. That's all right. (laughs) But anyway, so this comic started with, uh, or not started, ended with discussion of a coincidence. <laughs> what confusing concepts. <laughs> oh, you know. Okay, yes, yes, coincidence. Coincidence, you know. Um, and so I, I just, today I, or I guess it was technically yesterday, had a bit of a coincidence in my life of, random things aligning maybe it wasn't a coincidence and i just don't understand what the word coincidence means but at work um actually no i'm gonna start i oh god i'm worried we've already talked about this but maybe not hey mark have you cleaned out your uh dryer lint trap recently i do it before every time i do my laundry okay i'm proud of you mark i'm glad you because i know how to deal with a lint thing and also between you and me I'm not sure that my roommate ever does it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that segues perfectly into what we're talking about or what we're about to talk about. Because um, I had a coworker who uh, blessed their heart, but they admitted to the rest of us um, that they've lived in their current uh, place where they live for, I think, like five or six months now. And... We were talking about like laundry and I think someone mentioned like lint traps or something. And they they volunteered the information that oh, they don't know how to clean out the lint on their dryer, the lint trap on their dryer, and they haven't since they moved in. And they their moved dryer in. Dryer hasn't exploded. <laughs> yeah, that's how we all reacted. Um, oh gosh. We were all very concerned and trying to be as like emphatic as possible that like, hey, like this is an actual real like real life issue like please yeah. figure out how to do this we don't want you to burn down the place where you live yeah um i haven't put i haven't put out a cigarette since i started smoking yeah yeah <laughs> um and so like that was a it was a honestly kind of a concerning lunch that this came up at and like it's one of those things where like hey like we'll give you crap for like a lot of things but like this is something that actually matters. Please, like, don't just, like, pass this off as a joke and, like, like us, like, ribbing you and giving you a hard time. Like, this is a yeah. serious problem. Please rectify it. Yeah. Um, 
So where's the coincidence? And so the coincidence is is that <laughs> that happened at the end of last week. Uh-huh. And then on Monday this week, Your I came home. exploded? No. I came oh. home from work, and in the door of my apartment, there was a piece of paper, like, stuffed in it. And so I pulled it out, and it was a notice that the next day, um, I needed to clear out the small room in my apartment that has my washer and dryer in it because maintenance was going to come to do a deep cleaning on my dryer vents to clean out all the lint that might have gotten into them. Huh. And, yeah, that's my whole story, and that's all I have. <laughs> so I'm glad I went second. Yeah, that was kind of <laughs> dull. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, were you expecting something more exciting, Mark? Well, let me ask you this. Do you enjoy cleaning out the lint in your dryer? I, I, I don't dislike it. I'm going to admit, the the geometry of our lint trap growing up in my household was much more satisfying to remove the lint from than my current one. Explain. Um, it was it was wider, so you could go with like three fingers and kind of scrape it all out, versus my one now is super narrow, so it's like you have what, to just what, use your finger. Are they both rectangles, finger. though? Yes, yeah, so they're both rectangles. Like pull it out of the top? Or um, pull them out of somewhere else? They've both been kind of like pull it out of the, like, on the bottom side, like right where the door enters. I'm trying to right. think if I've had that, because right now, maybe I have had that when my Airbnb, uh, I think both at home and my current dryer, it's both like the top right corner, you pull it out. Hmm. And then in school, all the dorm dryers, it was always you had to open up the door and yeah. pull it out from the bottom. Of the lip where the door closed. Yeah, so we had those in college too. Okay. Uh, I actually kind of, I mean, part of my lint cleaning habits are are part of it. They are almost entirely due to college, I would have to say. Mm. Uh, Because at home, like honestly, I didn't do much laundry while I was at home. My mom almost always did it for me. Like I would fold and stuff, Mm -hmm. but she would normally get it done. Um. And so with that, everybody was like, oh, Mark will never do his laundry in college. And I was killer. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a killer at doing my laundry every single week, like clockwork. Yeah. I get it done and I have no problem like getting it folded right away. It never sits around like and, oh. and I think part of the reason for that is I don't have any clothes and <laughs> the uh, and the fact that I, I never wanted to. Uh, like mess with the timing like i like no nobody's worse than the person who forgets their laundry and then it's up and then you're leaving it to every other nice minnesotan to figure out how to deal with the situation do you take it out and throw it somewhere do you put it in the dryer for them like what do you do and there's no good solution they all suck because the person who did it sucks so i always made sure that i was like there right away you know like a minute before it ended um to deal with it right away Mm -hmm. And and now it's like, okay, in my apartment, we don't have like timers on everything, so it's not as clear cut, but I, you know, I more or less know the approximate time that it will take um, and deal with it. So, yeah, yeah. Uh. I very much enjoy cleaning lint traps, by the way. That's why I asked. Okay. I think I, I think find it, it can incredibly be satisfying. satisfying, incredibly satisfying. Yeah, I I think I owe a lot of my lint trap knowledge and just 
by lint trap knowledge, I just mean like the fact that you should clean out your lint trap to the fact that as a young kid, I was very interested in kind of like survival type skills. Yeah. And so like, okay. I loved building like survival <laughs> kits. Okay. And a oh, was lint thing... your, your, your flint or your tinder? I mean, yeah. Lint yeah. was like Kindling, a common inclusion whatever. in my survival kits. Yeah, that makes so sense. like that was looking back and it's like, wow. My parents must have thought I was a weird kid being so excited to clean the lint trap out of the dryer yeah. to collect all the lint. <laughs> but like I, I just like that it's fuzzy. Yeah. It's also just like satisfying because it kind of like sticks together and like when you mm-hmm. peel it out of the like screen or whatever, it just like it's one of those just like satisfying moments. Like wiping off like a water off a window. Yeah, it's like it's like why can't perforation be as good as this? Yeah. Yes. Oh. Mm-hmm.